Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to DSC's Untamed Heritage, the unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. Delivered in an entertaining and informative fashion as only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Texas raised hunting products, the scent gods. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, calling his calls made. Double nickel taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Now here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Journeyed this morning over to the Double Nickel Taxidermy, where he does all of my taxidermy work and love what they do. But lo and behold, I ran into Blake Barnett, of all people. I think Blake's probably got some things here as well, too. I sure do. <laughs> it's nice living only about 20 minutes away from your taxidermist. <laughs> you know, I'm sure that's their positives and their negatives. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if John wants me to come over as much to, to bother them as much, but it's always fun to come over and look and watch at the creature creations, everything that's being created and, and built. It truly is. One of the things I appreciate about this group is, uh, well, there's a whole lot of things I appreciate about them, but the fact that they do an absolutely fantastic job on the mounts, very artistically done, uh, reasonable amount of time of sending one in and getting it back, and, and they do a great job about getting mounts out, and it's a very, very quality mount. And, You've got a bunch of tax drummers in here who are actually, well, absolutely just artists when you get right down to it. They, they do an absolutely great job in terms of making that animal look alive, with, particularly in terms of the eyes and the ears, and, and uh, I just love the work they do. Blake, I, one of the things I noticed you had when we walked in, I was looking at uh, two Ibex and two roe deer from Spain. Uh, that actually we shot for the, the the Ibex we shot for a TV show yeah, for, for this season Trailing the Hunter's Moon yeah Correct. it's, it's going to be on this year and the road deer I, I like Spain so much I went back two weeks later without a camera <laughs> <laughs> yeah you and that was a fun hunt that one turned out to be a day and a half that I was there <laughs> in Spain I flew to Spain and hunted a day and a half and, and spent another half day getting out of Spain so that's called being a die oh, oh god <laughs> that, that, that but it was worth it I once all this COVID thing leaves I can't wait to get back over there. Still got a couple Ibex we want to hunt, and I'd love to go back and hunt Spain. One of the things I noticed you had here is an eland. Where did where did the eland come from? Yeah, the eland came from Namibia, Larry. I finally broke down and, and had an eland mounted. All of our trips that you and I have actually taken together as well to Africa, 
I've uh, been able to hunt eland in several different um, provinces in South Africa, but also in the country of Namibia as well. And took that uh, that eland with Zombo Safaris with Yopsi Blau, of course, that you and I love to hunt with. And uh, just an exceptional eland with just a huge tuff on his head and, and full of full of you know brilliant colors and. And uh, I've European all my other Elan bulls that I, you know, ever hunted and taken in the past, but this was truly a special one to preserve and put on the wall. And it's it's finished here. I hope to take it home today. Oh man, it's an absolutely fantastic mount, and you so very seldom see that big tuft yeah. of hair that's uh, up kind of below their horns and between their eyes and upwards. But yeah. uh, that one has got a bushy head of hair that's yeah. unbelievable. Up there. Yeah, just truly almost kind of dark gray in color, you know, one you see in a magazine and, you know, one you, you know, if you, if you like hunting Africa or dream about hunting Africa and plains game, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like always wanting to go after that 16 inch kudu bull, but, you know, running into one is always, uh, is always the dilemma. So same thing with a big human bull like this. I, I hunted kudu a bunch in several provinces, or not pro, pro, countries, they're not provinces when you think about it, uh, several countries, and I think I finally ended up with one. I'd shot some when they were 59, 58, 59 and a half, and then finally was able to take that one that was an even 60 when I shot him. I mean, so. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm jealous of that one, and you killed one that was almost 60 inches wide. I well, I shot one years ago in Zimbabwe uh, on the Save River. Uh, that was, it's, it's 58 a little bit, and he is 52 inches wide. And when I saw that animal, he was walking across the river, and cameraman, I was, I was shooting a show for, uh, uh, gosh, I guess that was Bass Pro back then. And the cameraman was hollering, don't shoot, and the, the cage was hollering, shoot. And I shot, and the first shot, I missed that scandal at about 50 yards by almost 50 yards. <laughs> I was shooting a single shot back then at the 416 Rigby that I'd had uh, Thompson Center build up, and reloaded quickly, and before he got across the river, I shot him, and he was quartering away, I shot him. And, that turned into be quite an adventure. We'll talk about that one a little bit more. Uh, I want to go back to, to the Eland. Yeah. Uh, what did you shoot that one with? I shot that with the Ruger uh, FTW Hunter in a 300 Win Mag. Uh, you know, those Eland, we were we were uh, down near the Skeleton Coastline, very oh, yeah. rocky mountain. Yes. And you've been down that way before and hunted that yes. way. Yes. Almost kind of lava rock type looking terrain. Almost looks like you're, I, I just said it, it planted, if I could think of what planet Mars looked like, yeah. that's what it would look yeah. like. Mars or Moon. Yeah, moon and this bull kind of was, was paired up with a cow. They were rutting. And it is absolutely amazing how much country those big antelope can cover, oh, and, and, and especially in high elevations. And uh, it was uh, not an easy hunt. Saw the, saw the bull early in a 10-day hunt, and it made multiple attempts to try to get on him, and he just always outwalked us. You know, um, never, never truly spooked from us, um, and it got down towards the end of the hunt where it was, uh, it was a hell mary. We we couldn't find him in the valley he had been in, and so we took to the tops by foot. And I was actually hunting with uh, one of the PHs that works for the Zombo, Jacobus. Oh yeah, and uh, Jacobus oh and gracious. I, Jacobus talked me into going up and over the top, and that's where we found the bull and had to make about a 350 yard shot with a follow-up running shot at about the same distance, although I hit him great with that Hornady ammo. And that yeah. was when the Precision Hunter ammo had just, just come out. Right. And so I was shooting that 200 grain ELDX. Fabulous and um, broke Fabulous that bull's blue. shoulder 
but it's even on three legs, those big animals can cover some ground. So. It's, it's amazing how much ground they cover just walking. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't have to trot or run yeah. or anything. It's just a normal walk. We've gotten after them a couple of times to where you think, I'm going to be right behind them. I mean, we're tracking and the trackers, you, you expect to look up any moment and see them and and you'll do that for hours. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's like elephant honey. If they're walking, you're not going to catch no, them, no, you know. And they don't look like they're covering that much ground when they're walking, but they are. But yeah, that was a... Yeah, that was the, the 300 Wind Mag and, and Ruger's FTW Hunter, that M77, which you and I both shot a lot of. And, and, Absolutely. And different calibers that they, Ruger had manufactured that model in. And uh, Precision Hunter Ammo Hornady really had just released it that year. And uh, that, that ELDX bullet, as you know as well, is no doubt a hard-hitting killing bullet. Let's, let's talk about that bullet a little bit. It, it was developed by Hornady. Correct. Through all kinds of different research and all those kind of right. things. Over the years, back when I was a gun writer and uh, writing for Shooting Times and a whole bunch of other shooting type magazines and hunting guns, um, hunting magazines as well, but that to me has been in the different guns that I've shot it in, in different yeah. calibers, that has been the most accurate yeah. and to me the most killing bullet I have had yeah. that I've ever used on anything and, yeah. and that includes things besides what you're talking about yeah. in terms of Elon on all the way down the, the small stuff but yeah. uh, I am really continually impressed with what that bullet does. I am too I, and I have to agree with you um, I've used it in probably a half a dozen different calibers and have hunted whitetail deer to moose to again Elon to um, several different species and it is a hard hitting killing bullet uh, we're into the show season right now in terms of, of the TV show DSC Australian Hunters Moon and, and you just sent me a, a review this will be out a little bit later of hunt I did on the Hargrove Ranch it's yeah, up in the lower episode. part of the Texas Panhandle absolutely fantastic place fantastic animals great great interesting habitat because you really don't expect to see the number of deer that yeah. you do in that sand and shimmery country on that particular hunt i was using a, a one-of-a-kind ruger it's a 300 prc uh that tornado developed and again i was using i think that was a 212 bullet i think the i think it is the eldx the 212 grain i shot two deer with it and we shot some deer later that uh cameraman and, and I let the ranch hand shoot some deer with it too. Every one of those deer that we hit never took a step. Right. It, it just doesn't lie. It just, they went to the ground. Same thing, we shot several big hogs as well too. Yep. And even with those big hogs going through that tough shield, it put those animals down on the yep. ground so quick it was it's dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. very little recall, you know, you, you yep. lost in the scope. But, uh, Nonetheless, I mean, there was no question. You could yeah. hear that bullet hit, and they were absolutely down in a hurry. Uh, you've got, you hunted elk last year, too. And I want to talk a little bit about elk hunting, because we're not that far away from no, folks no. that are going to get out and elk hunt. And there's probably, here for too very long, there's probably going to be some guys already hunting with a bow. Some of these bow yeah, seasons will be month, opening up. about a month away. Yeah, be opening up in, in September. Uh, you hunted elk in New Mexico last year. I did. I got very lucky. Um, I know. You know, I, gun, I, can't I, I, I <laughs> never, I think just because of the busy schedule you and I, or you always had me keeping, you know, following you around for the last several years. Those years, yes. I've never, I've never applied in any of the states for the draw. And, you know, my family, my mom bought a house in New Mexico as a vacation home up in the Angel Fire area. 
And um, so I started to hunt the state of New Mexico just as uh, for sentimental reasons for having a property there and spending time there. So I put in for the draw. And um, I actually uh, went through an outfitter that I had previously hunted bears with. Right, much bigger. And uh, went through their outfitter number. They told me what I should put in for. And so I put in for the Vallis Caldera tag, and it's a it's a, it's, it's a tag that you can draw every year. It's not a once-in-a-lifetime tag, but it is a hard tag to draw. And the Valles Caldera is about 100,000 acres of private land, um, which it's a, it's a park now. It's owned by the National Parks. And, um, but uh, they um, allow X amount of archery tags for bull elk and X amount of rifle tags. And I drew the second season rifle tag on the very first time I've ever put in for the draw. And, and um, yeah, I had a lot of people shake their heads just like you are at me right now. And yeah, when you call me, I go, he, he's telling me a story. There, he, 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 he may be out and out lying. No way that he could have done that, but you did. I did, and I'm going to tell you, it will spoil you. Um, I saw so many bulls on the very first morning of hunting, Larry. Literally probably looked at 300 bulls on that first morning. Passed up numerous bulls that I'd have been happy with all day long, only to hold out because my outfitter just just wanted me to hold out. Right. Really looking for something special because that's the area in the unit to do something really special. It is yeah. on the upper end of a 370, 380 type bull, which is a huge bull, and a 330 is a very respectable. A bull. 300 is yeah. a great bull. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hunted elk a lot over the years past, and that's, that was always my goal: is to try to shoot one that would cross that 300 mark. Yeah. So. You know, it, it, it was a special hunt. It was not an easy hunt. It, uh, there's some very strict rules behind the Valles Caldera on how to access the property. Um, you cannot, you can use a vehicle, but you have to stay on the main road. And the main roads just kind of goes through the middle of the valley. <laughs> Everything else is either on foot or by bicycle. You can use a bicycle, not a motorized bicycle like they have out these days now, like the Quiet Cat and some of those, but, but a regular mountain bike, bike, pedal bike you pedal can bike. use. Or you can use horses, and horses would have been very beneficial, but the inconvenience that the park makes for you is you have to trailer in and trailer out every, every day, day with the horses. And so that adds a lot of time to um, the logistics of everything, and, and you know, compared to if you could have at least corralled your horses on the property and not had to trailer them back and forth. And we were staying probably 45 minutes to an hour away from, from the park, so we had that commute already. So we decided yeah, to hunt right. on foot. And um, let me tell you, we put the miles on, you know, and it was not, you know. It's not easy. It wasn't easy. I think the first day we did like 14 miles. And we just came off a brown bear hunt, literally. That was straight from sea level to 9,000 feet. Yeah, well, that was a fortunate thing because there you probably did a little bit of walking as well, too. I did. A lot of the brown bear hunts, I know, it's sit in glass and then run like crazy to go get the bear. I did. And, uh. But what an elk hunt. Wow. I, I shot a bull on, the, I think, the third or fourth day. And, and um, just a tremendous experience. Shot that bull with the same 300, uh, you know, Winchester, that Ruger M77 FTW Hunter with that Precision Hunter Hornady ammo as well. And had to shoot that bull in some really thick aspens running away from me. Not a shot I always like to take, but 
broke him down in his hip and followed him up and put him put one more in him and he was he was down. Which once makes me want to ask the next question: What scope did you? Have? I know it was yeah. a Trigicon, but yeah, since you're talking about opportunities for shooting great distances, yeah. and then all of a sudden yeah. having to get on the one, what, yeah. what scope were you using? Yeah, that optic that I had on that rifle for that particular hunt, I actually had set it up. I had changed out um, that optic just for that elk hunt and put a four to sixteen acu point on it. And, so you uh, can crank it way down, way up, or way up for the for a long shot. Because you know the Valles Caldera, you know, was created by the volcanoes that erupted and created all those big valleys. So there could have been opportunity to shoot three, four, five hundred yards. Right. You know, um, didn't have to on this this trip. Like I said, caught this bull in some really thick aspens and probably shot him at about forty yards. Perfect. Trotting away <laughs> from me. Yeah. So the four power came in handy right away. And, exactly. And, uh, and all that so that's the great thing about Trigicon and all the, the especially the new line of hunting optics that they've come out with is the the variables to be able to do everything close range long range all of that exactly right I've been playing with with the Huron scope here as well like yeah. the one that they it's really kind of designed around the deer hunter kind of thing but uh, tell you what the, the the weight of that scope is relatively light and to me if I were going to do a mountain hunt right now which did look like I would be doing one like I had planned this year, but if I were going to do a mountain hunt, that's probably the scope that I would use well, uh, and the great for a lot of reasons, yeah. but weight being one of them yeah. and still having, uh, they've got one that's a one inch tube and one that's a 30 millimeter tube. And you can get the holdover reticle in that here on And the holdover reticle is exactly yeah. right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I just started shooting an air rifle. I never thought I'd do anything like that. <laughs> the interesting thing is, is I'm only going to shoot it to a dragon claw, Seneca dragon claw, and I'm only going to shoot it with a, with an air bolt. I'm finding out they're not arrows, but I just put the scope on the Huron on that one, mm-hmm. and I'm anxious to see where those stadia wire hold, what where they are in relationship to what I'd be shooting. To an arm, arm, yeah, yeah. With the so it might be very, very interesting. I'm not going to get away from shooting center fire guns believe me it's pretty I, impressive what air yeah. rifles can do these days though. but with with that I've, I've shot it just a little bit just with an open sight thing on a hog hunt and i mean i could put three at, at like 30 yards I, could, I had to be careful after i learned after the second shot to hold just a little bit off because it was almost putting them in the same hole and yeah I don't like paying for arrows. <laughs> bolts, bolts, bolts. Yeah, bolts are bolts and bolts and broadheads. Huh? Yeah, well, bolts to me are, are elongated. You know, they got threads on it. And you can take a little nut and screw. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning all kinds of things, but uh, I've just set up another rifle too. I have got a Ruger. I've got two Rugers that I've just picked up recently. One is the uh, 280 Ackley Improved in a uh, 77 uh, African and then also a 6.5 by 55 uh, Swedish, which is an old gun, I mean, an old caliber that's been around for a long time. That's very similar to the 6.5 Creedmoor that everybody's so crazy about these days. And uh, I'm trying to remember, I've got an Aki point on both of them. And yeah. I can't remember what the magnification is. One of them is a little bit smaller than the other one on the lower end. I'd have to go back and look which one. I, so I'm not going to say which one is on which until right. I get a chance to go back and look because I can't remember right now. But you're right. Uh, Trigicon has done such an absolutely fantastic job in, in optics. And with this new line that they introduced essentially at DSC Convention right. this past year, and you got to cover what the ten mile? Yeah, the ten mile and the credo. Which, yeah. uh, you know, I 
I uh, had some hunts booked already this year that due to COVID, you know, had to be postponed, but they were, um, they were hunts to be able to, to really put that, especially that 10 mile HX right. um, model uh, to use. Um, in fact, I just had a hunt that was canceled that was going to be coming up in September for uh, mountain goat and mountain caribou with uh, Aaron Fredlin, yeah. a friend of ours. Oh, oh, been, yeah, uh, way back. British Columbia. <laughs> and, um, Aaron used to guide me years ago. Yeah, and I've been shooting a 308 and a 300 wind with both the 10 mile HX and the Credo, uh, practicing with it, you know, because they've got the um, they've got the, the vertical turrets and um, of course they have LED lighting systems where so it's not the dream right. fiber but um, but I've been able to replace those hunts I've got a Transpacus elk hunt actually coming up with wildlife systems in September um, out there in the Transpacus out in those mountains so and I've been out there some, some off and on over the years and I'll tell you what that elk herd out there is fantastic of course Greg uh, depending on which ranch you hunt I've spent some time out there on yeah. the ranches as well too those elk out there are absolutely fantastic in terms of size and antlers and all that. And the beauty of it is, is and the, the curse of it is too, they're considered an exotic in the state right. of Texas Not rather right. than a game animal. That's the downside as far as I'm concerned because they ought to be a game animal because they were originally in those mountains. But the positive side about being an exotic is you're going to get to hunt them during the bugling season. Yeah. Because they are considered exotic, so I that know. ought to be an absolutely. I have a mid-September hunt, and I'm going to put that 10 mile HX to, to work um, for sure. You know, I've got an odd hunt later in the fall, and a pronghorn antelope hunt with and you. And, yeah, that we're doing together there on at, yeah. uh, out of just outside of Marathon. Yeah, right? no, I feel like Trigicon has totally taking the hunting line of optics that they have built, and they have covered 100 percent of the bases from. Uh, you know the Texas, not just Texas, but from the whitetail deer hunter to um, to some of the long range hunting opportunities. Oh yeah, and even the, the tactical type shooting. And tactical and they, they've really done a great absolutely. job there as well too. Yeah. Uh, again, I've I've got a couple of different hunts that I've got set up. I'm still not sure what I'm going to use on the pronghorn hunt. I'm going to try to probably shoot some of those. It's it's hard for me to get away from a Ruger number one, but. Uh, I really do like this from what I'm seeing that 6.5 by 55 Creedmoor I mean uh, Sweetie Sweet, yeah and what a neat caliber to, to, to go say you went and hunted well, Pronghorn Antelope with as well yeah they are and I kind of like those older grounds when yep. you get right down to it <laughs> kind of thing maybe it's, maybe it's the gray in my beard or whatever kind of thing but uh, I really, think it suits you well <laughs> well thank you and I <laughs> I, I, I do appreciate that. <clears throat> I saw a show that you just did. It, it aired not very long ago about uh, Australia. Yeah. Uh, I've hunted Australia in the past. When I was yeah. there, I hunted buffalo with a 375 Ruger right. guide rifle and a 300 grain Hornet DGX, which did absolutely fantastic. I was very fortunate uh, that the hunted with some of the, the aboriginals and uh with the with the locals and I was able to shoot three bulls while I was there, which was really wow, fun, I'll yeah. tell you. In that show, I noticed you were shooting a, a, a Ruger number one. I was. I was shooting a Ruger number one and three seven five Ruger and it's a become a special special gun to me for many, many reasons. And um, that was the very first hunt that I ever did with it. And I got to go uh, hunt uh, Bantang and Buffalo. 
uh, with Jim Gibson. I'm, I'm jealous on the bad thing, I'll tell you. The, the buffalo, too, because that is a fabulous hunt. Yeah, and uh, again, just like you, I used the Hornady DGX, 300-grain um, dangerous game ammunition that Hornady produces. You you know as well as I do, you and I have both hunted Cape buffalo and, and um, other dangerous game animals in Africa, and that bullet has, has proven... And now it's a bonded bullet. I think that they that they make it in. And yeah, I was using bonded. the bonded, the bonded bullets um, out of it. But um, yeah, I had several people ask me if I was concerned about hunting dangerous game with a single shot, and I said, you know, absolutely not. I think I'm so confident with uh, with a single shot, having shot one for many years, and just I think just the repetitions of practicing with them, it's reloading it is a second nature. And, uh, but fortunately, to be real honest with you, I mean, the Bantang was a, uh, was a one-shot kill. I mean, yeah. it actually knocked him over. I was actually pretty shocked myself, you know. And, and the Buffalo, he didn't go more than 20 yards. Or I put a couple of follow-up shots in him just for safety reasons. And which you do. Which, which you, do. You, you need to do. I don't care. Yeah, but that, is, that 375 Ruger is probably my all-time favorite caliber like it has become one of yours as well oh, it is there's no question and that ruger number one is a special rifle to me and and that that hunt yeah that was those shows just recently aired and that was uh out of all the adventures that we've been blessed to be able to go on and i've been able to go on they've all been phenomenal but that one just really had a true special meaning due to the experience due to the area we were in and due to the species we were hunting and, and the whole the whole bit. So other than getting there was a nightmare and getting out of there was a nightmare. I just for whatever reason out of all my world travels I've always had easy goings on airport travels and everything else, but that one was was that the one that you kept calling me and saying, uh, I'll be leaving here tomorrow? And then, it, nope, I'll be leaving here in two days. Pretty much. Nope, I'll be leaving here in three days. Pretty much, yeah. It was a, I was quite delayed getting over there, and that causes so much stress, and staying in hotels and sleeping in airports and, and missing flights because other flights were late leaving and having availability on other flights you're trying to get, uh, you know, reticketed on was was an absolute uh it was a it was a it was a nightmare all the way around but uh in the end it was all worth it alex said 375 ruger number one <clears throat> excuse me i actually i've got two of them i've got that i have not shot anything with yet yeah. one of them i bought from lee newton is one of the like yours it's a uh, 375 one of the botting yeah one of the uh, cbs yeah that they did with craig years ago and i think i, I think i I think I beat you to the to that punch on that one and got to, tried to grab the prettiest one that leads to Lee. Yeah, yeah. I mean mine, <laughs> mine's attractive, but I made up for it. Lee called me not right long after that. <clears throat> the Ruger somehow that came out some un, found some unbelievable beautiful wood, and, and they did a limited edition of the RSIs, the which is the full man liquor stock. Yeah. And the stock that I got on that one is just, oh my Gorgeous. gosh, it is absolutely beautiful. I'm probably going to end up having using it on a whitetail hunt or something. Yeah. Maybe one I use this year because uh, even though as pretty as it is, just like the, I've got a, I've got a drop dead 280 Ackley improved that they did for, uh, to commemorate Joe Clayton. Um, yeah. Some things that Joe did when he wrote the book about rear number ones. And yeah. That would, on all that edition of, uh, I think there were like 125 guns, and then maybe they added a few a little bit later on, but every one of those guns just in terms beautiful. of wood is just absolutely beautiful. And I actually ended up, <clears throat> excuse me, ended up doing a story for uh, 
film Sorrow with uh, mm-hmm. uh, Gun Digest, who's editor Gun Digest now, that should be out probably in the next uh, very short period of time about the 280 and that particular rifle, which I used to hunt with with Greg Simons, and uh, for for both whitetail and and uh, mule deer as well too. So. Right. Uh, Which those shows are about to air are going to be coming out soon. Yeah, those will be hitting. We're hitting into that. Of course, they're all they're on pursuit uh, right now. Uh, if you're listening, they're on Wednesday nights at uh, nine thirty Central, Central time. Yeah, and then Friday nights as well, and Saturday morning. And Saturday mornings, and you can you can go to to their website if you like, and just go to uh, pursuit. Uh, channel and look look DSC's Trail on the Hunter's Moon and it'll give you the, all the, the proper times and all that kind of thing as far as what time frame where you are in the country kind of thing. Um, a lot of good things going on right now. I mean the COVID thing has kind of got both of us. I was going to go to Spain which I'm not going to be able to do. I was going to go with a couple friends of mine and, and shoot another Ibex and, and uh, hunt another Ibex actually. and, and uh, I got a hunt that I was going to do in Canada that, like your Canadian hunts that you had planned this year, it looks like it's not going to happen. Uh, and kind of, actually, I've, I've given up on it happening this year for right. everything that I hear. Uh, what have you got coming on this year? I know you and I are hunting pronghorn antelope together. We talked about yeah. the elk hunt that you're doing out. And again, that is going to be, an, I, I can tell you folks, if, if, if you want to hunt nice, and I'm talking about big elk, antlered elk, and you want to do it with a rifle, Greg Simonson, you want to talk to with Wildlife System. Yeah. That country out there has got some fabulous elk on it, and it is some of the more unique, rocky, rough, beautiful, indescribably beautiful country that you'll ever get into. And not only that, the food in those camps is <laughs> all too good. Mr. So, Simons knows how to put it on. You've got, you, you, you recently picked up a lease in South Texas. Yes, sir. And we're not going to tell people exactly where it is. Yeah. Because there's a couple of deer that I'm going to try to go down and hunt. I don't want anybody to know about them other than you and maybe... Yeah, I probably should have told you about all of them. Maybe skinny Woody Way. You sent me photographs of them. You screwed up, boy. Yeah, yeah. I do. You know, I haven't haven't had a deer lease in 20 years probably because of a busy schedule and time of occupying one. And probably the good thing, one of the good things that have come out of COVID is um, having the time to have a deer lease. And, and um, it, is, uh, it is in South Texas, not about, about an hour south of San Antonio, an hour and 10 minutes maybe. And um, great habitat as you've seen. Oh, I took you down there to look at it to see country. if you thought it would be the right type of deer habitat. It and um, it, it has all that, it has all the water. And we, um, with, with your help, uh, and with some of Mr. Simons's influences as well, it's been a fun project that we um, started back in early April uh, with it, and we planted some iron and clay peas and uh, two food plots on the ranch that just, the good Lord bless us with the right kind of rains this spring in that part of Texas. I think to, we've had probably 18 inches of rain. Uh, it's phenomenal. All through it's spring. Fantastic, right. yeah. So we had about, um, Oh, about 11 acres of peas total, you know, in two, two fields, which the deer did tremendous on. You know, you said it may take them a while to get on it, and it did. It seemed like once those peas matured in the, in the, in the food plot, it was a smorgasbord it's for like, the white it's like, it's like the door's been closed and you open the door. Oh, I mean, every time I went out there to sit in the afternoons to watch deer, there were just more and more deer that would show up on the phones. I would call you and say, you know, 
saw 35 deer on one field today, saw 40 deer on one field today, saw this many bucks. And it has been truly fun to watch the transition of the antler growth stages. Yeah, you've been able to document through photographs. Since the beginning, you. since nubs to now they're yeah. more than three quarter grown pretty well yeah. now. And um, very uh, special place, yeah, a property that um, has not had hardly any hunting pressure that is surrounded by some big country that again has had no hunting pressure. Probably have too many deer that I'll be able to get you and Greg's advice on um, moving forward into the future on how many we should take and which ones of those we should take. Um, but there's some special deer out there this year. I have sent you some, some yeah, you <laughs> yeah. yeah. He sent me several photographs of just phenomenal deer, and particularly, I mean, even for South Texas, these deer are yeah. really big. Of course, the number you mentioned the iron clay peas thing. You, you, we talked about food plots yeah. in South Texas now. South Texas is totally different. I mean, David Morris and his guys at Tecumati, they did a fantastic job right. in certain areas because of soil type. But we've right. got a lot of soil country where it is really tight soil and it's very droughty. Yeah. But where we ran across the iron plate, iron clay peas thing is years ago, there was a severe drought going on in South Texas. Uh, there was a train that used to run from Laredo to uh, San Antonio and ran through Catula, and just on the south side of the Catula, when we hadn't had rain for about four months, there was one little patch of something growing right on the edge of, of the train track, and it was just as green as it could be, and everything else was brown. And so we finally got over there and started looking, and we noticed the deer were headed that way as too. Well, too, and went over and found a little above the leaves and, and were able to trace it back to where it was iron clay peas. Interesting. And that told us, okay, it grew in that part of the country. It grew in horrible drought conditions. Yeah. So yeah. to me, when we started talking about, uh, and we've used that particular subspecies of clay, uh, iron clay peas, a lot of places in South Texas over the years because it does well, well in droughty situations. Yeah. And the nutrition level on those things and being a legume is very, very high. So. Right. Uh, it was just one of those lucky things that we ran across, oh God, 40 years ago now. Well, that's proof that my deer did well because um, I'm probably overpopulated with deer on this property as I've talked to you about in the past. And I know that the older bucks rutted really hard because I did get a chance to hunt that place a little bit last yeah, season. Yeah, I know y'all did a little bit. And uh, yeah, I, I negotiated the lease, um, you know, after the first of the year. So I, was, I had access to the property at post rut and noticed a lot of deer really in poor shape. You know, we were in a pretty bad droughty situation right. in December and January oh, yeah. and February as well here in Texas and was really concerned about some of the deer not rebounding, um, just looking at the conditions that they were in. Which and happens I, a lot on those older tier bucks. When correct, they down. and I can tell you that, it, that um, when we put the Kelly peas in the ground, I think, actually I think we put the clay peas in the ground March 1st. Mm -hmm. Um, and it started raining yeah. and the deer, the deer, once they got on it, um, even still, I would, they, they had rebounded some because of the rains and because of the other forbs and everything that had, that were growing wild. But when they got on the, when they got on those pea fields, Larry, just like you'd said, I mean, they, they blossomed, they totally, oh, yeah. they totally transformed, um, body wise, nutrition wise, health wise. And, um, We've added a supplemental feed program to it as well. Um, MB Ranch King Blinds has really been gracious enough to partner with the television show, and I like their feeder systems and 
And um, this is a property that's never been fixed. We were really unsure on how long it would take for these. Yeah, a lot of times it takes a while. Yeah, and you know, and, and they stayed on those pea fields, and they it looked like after those peas matured and when they really got on them, in about a three week period, when I went back, of course it started to dry up a little right. bit, but then we weren't getting as many frequent rains, but. It honestly looked like we took a case tractor in there and shredded <laughs> 11 acres because that's what those deer did. And you know what I was surprised about is the hogs really didn't bother. No. The hogs, I mean, I, I, I had, who doesn't have hogs in South Texas? <laughs> I was concerned about that. Right. But they really did not bother it. Yeah. They really didn't root it up. I, I, I don't know if it's just... Something that they I was a little concerned about in. that to begin with, but then I remembered some other places where we had planted them in the past. Yeah. We didn't have the population of hogs years ago when I was really doing a lot of that work, but we did have hogs yeah. and javelina on the property. And as a result, you know, you'd have thought, well, they're just going to do, you know, I've seen them go down a row and pick out every kernel of corn, every grain of milo yeah. or whatever else you planted. But for some reason with the peas, you would think they'd have a very distinctive odor that they would smell and pick up on, but they didn't. They so didn't. hopefully that will continue to be the case there. Yeah, and what I liked about it, you know, following your recommendation was, um, now I may have a little challenge in the fall, but I'm gonna plant them again in the fall because they lasted me about 90 days yeah. in terms of a food source for the white-tailed deer. And um, so I really think I'm going to go ahead and go back in September 1 and replant iron and clay plays. I was going to do um, some triticalia and some oats, which was another recommendation, but um, I think I'm going to go back and do the peas again if, if in the can, fall. What I would do, if you, if you got the peas, what, uh, I'd add one other thing to it, and I'd add some Oscar and winter pea. Winter pea, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that and it'll come off a little bit of a different stage right so if you if you did an either it, I can't remember how the the size I think the size of those peas is about the same so and you're broadcasting them though you're yeah not, we're hand broadcasting you're hand broadcast so yeah. it wouldn't make a whole lot of difference but you could either put the peas down and then uh, and I mean the iron clay peas down and then go over and overseed a little yeah. bit of foster and winter pea well that's a good idea both those are they work well together, and like I said, that winter pea—it's a little bit stronger in the winter time. Right. Well, that's probably what we'll do. I mean, September—you know—we always usually get our rains in September. We've been getting some right now, actually, here in August, beginning of August. But September dove season seems to come, and it always rains in South Texas. So <laughs> I figure if I plant early September, those food plots will really be mature by opening weekend of deer season. Yeah, they you will. Know, be. And yeah. those deer will do well on them going into the rut. And, and probably be stronger than they've ever, ever been, honestly, on that property. On that property, for sure. And uh, and then on the post side, you know, probably replant again after the first of the year or in, or in February from a post-rut condition side. Right. Um, just because, like you said, they are a legume and high in protein, high in fat, oh, high yeah. in starch, and, and uh, really help those older class of deer. Absolutely. It will. Um, no rebound question. and come back. So, no yeah, question. thanks to that recommendation, it was, a, it was an experiment, and that's what's been fun about this lease is um, just really being able to feel like you accomplished something, not knowing exactly what you had there and uh, having the surprises. I know you and I have never really been trail cam users and I've no, been recently no. turned on to a cell cam company called The Reveal, which is by right. Tacticam. And it has really been fun to document and inventory um, what we've been seeing down there, being that it's a brand new property and, and um, I'm excited. The hard work will be will be fun there with the cameras as well too. As you move into the rut period, 
Right. You, you've got a reservoir literally of deer to the west, I'm sorry, to the north of you. Right. That there's, there's a chunk of country there that hadn't been hunted, and I mean, they found dead deer on there that scored in the 180s, 190s. Yeah, upwards to 200. Yeah. Now, no question about it, some of those bucks will be roaming. So it'll be interesting to see if you have some of those bucks show up once that rut gets started. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I've got a couple deer already. I don't know where they come from, you know. And uh, I think, you know, I have a lot of water, too, on the place. So that the resources that, that are there and the feed, help. I think, will draw. And with that with that creek, yeah, with that big that uh, kind of travel corridor running through the northern end of the property, I hope to see, I hope to be surprised all the time as we get into the fall and into the season, into the rut. I really think you will be. I think it's yeah. going to be really interesting with the trail camera pictures to, yeah. to see what bucks stay in the area right yeah. there, then what comes through as well too. Because yeah. I got a feeling you're going to see a fair amount of bucks that are kind of transient that will come in, they'll be there a day or two, and then yeah. turn around and go back to where they came from. Kind well, of it's right. going to be fun to have you down too to see well, the rally. See the age. I want to come down too. Yeah. I don't care whether if if, if uh, the hunt if I carry it, I will be carrying a gun. And <laughs> I ain't going anywhere without some kind of gun. It, it may I may just done that if I come back down later just carry it because that is a one buck limit. Yeah, uh, we can kill a spike deer. Um, yeah. So if he's a spike on one side, um, we can we can so we can kill that that deer. But it is yeah one buck. Yeah, uh, one buck county with a 13 inch minimum on the spread. Exactly. That's the same, like where my little place is. Yeah. That's one of my goals in life is to kill another buck on the property where I shot my first buck lots of years ago. <laughs> and it has, been, and it has been kicking my tail each of the last <laughs> three years. And so I'm hoping to get in there a little bit earlier this year and and, uh, and and do some more hunting. A lot of times those bucks start showing up the last days of the season there as well too. What I was going to say is I may come down if uh, a vision with the, uh, the TWA guys about their uh, the Texas Big Game Awards with right. the uh, Grand Slam with their Texas Slam, which includes meat shooting an animal of a minimum score, which are, they're reasonable for a whitetail mule deer pronghorn antelope and a uh, javelina and yeah. i know that you've got some javelina I do. so i may try to come down during that time when those bucks are coming to horns come down and rattle for whoever is there and then i'll bring one of my ruger 44 mags with obviously loaded with 240 grain horny xdp it's the only thing i shoot in those 44 mags because yeah. they do so well yeah but i've all, we were talking about some of the trigicon sites a while ago i've got one that's got a one of the uh, mr RMRs on it, RMR, and, then, yeah. and then I've got another one that's got an SRO on it, mm-hmm. and I think I'm going to try to bring those down. And to me, that would be one of those ideal guns with which to hunt javelina. Yeah. yeah, we do have a, we have a very healthy javelina population down there. Um, would like to remove probably four to five of those. Perfect. I'll, you know, I'll take them about three big groups of them. Yeah, and I knew you were you were going to uh, participate in that award program. I'm going to do my darnest. Yeah, there's there, no question the antelope where we're hunting. I know I can shoot one that'll make yeah. the minimum there. And I, I know if I hunt whitetail down there with you, I can shoot one that'll make the minimum. Yeah. The, the question is- several pictures of some already. <laughs> yeah. The question all this is gonna be the mule deer, but I'm yeah. thinking where I'm hunting mule deer this year in the lower panhandle, there should be a buck in score in the 150s, 160s maybe. And, yeah. and uh, if I do, then I'm darn sure gonna be hunting Havilena. Yeah. Well, it's always gonna be fun to have you down. We're gonna have mule days down from Hornady. to eat this year as well. Oh yeah. Um, good friend of our mutual friend of ours, you know, um, that we just thank the world of Miss Jana Waller. 
is oh, going to come down to, to hunt Texas deer. She's Fantastic. Never, she's never hunted whitetail in South Texas. She really? Said, and so maybe you can break away if you're available when I'll try she makes else the trip. Come down for the day and, and uh, have her down. Absolutely, that's fantastic. We'll get off this thing here a little bit and look at some schedules. Uh, before we before we do leave this thing, we've talked about a lot of different things this morning that I really wanted to cover. But both Blake and I are very very much involved in in the Dallas Fire Club in, in DSC in, in so many different ways. Of course, I sit on the DSC Foundation Board as well now too. But uh, as of today, we are still planning on having our convention, That's which right. will be the. I just tell people it's it's a, a Valentine's yeah, Day Valentine's weekend. Valentine's Day, yeah, February 11th through the 14th. 11th through the 14th. Yeah, in Dallas. Yeah, I, I, you know, we have to be optimistic during these times, I think, Larry. And I know DSC is, you know, all arrows point forward to, to the planning of the convention. They did move the dates, which I think was a very smart move by them. I know some people were a little disappointed or maybe concerned, but there's very good reasoning behind the, the transition and the move that, that I think DSC, um, it was a very wise choice for them to do. And I think, um, you know, as we keep moving into the future and we keep learning about COVID, um, schools are starting to open and are going to open and that I think we'll see more things um, start to loosen. And uh, I think people will be ready to see each other again i think it's going to still have its impacts but um you know those of us that are passionate about our hunting heritage and conservation of wildlife are going to are going to make everything possible that, that they can whether it's even virtually whether they still do some things virtually which they will like their auctions right. but also to show up and support the cause and the mission well, hopefully everything is going to go on as we're hoping to right now because it'll be another it may be a little bit different compared to what it was in the past in terms we'll adjust. of we'll adjust it is exactly right we'll adjust and, and and we're going to keep you up to date as to what's going on as far as the commission is concerned here on the podcast of course you can always learn more about dsc by going to www.biggame.org and, and if you want to learn a, bit, a little bit more about some of the programs we have it's a great place to go to and learn about the dsc foundation there as well or you can go to dscf.org as well too to find out a little bit more about uh, what all the things we're doing through uh, through the foundation right now Blake, there's several ways to get in touch with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what are some of the best ways? I mean, the show's going on right now. There are digital things going on. Sure. Tell people, obviously, it's on the Pursuit Channel. Yeah, uh, the series. But there's also other places where the shows can be seen. Now. Sure, absolutely. You know, digital is expanding. I think um, younger generations have taught all of us what digital is all about. And there's more and more ways to view content now. And uh, more people are... I guess the term is cutting the cord on cable, but we still make a presence on the cable satellite, and that is through Pursuit Channel on direct and dish uh, networks. Um, and then on the digital side, Pursuit Channel itself has their own digital platform called Pursuit Up TV, which has a free downloadable app available through uh, the App Store or through Google Play. Um, and it's also available through Roku, Fire TV, TV Plus, Pluto TV, you go buy a new smart television today and you can get these channels, but it's Pursuit Up TV or PursuitUp.com, PursuitUpTV.com, excuse me. We also um, are running uh, content and episodes on Carbon TV, 
CarbonTV.com, which also has a free downloadable app to your smart devices, available through the App Store or Google Play as well, and I believe it's on Roku and Fire TV. And uh, the YouTube channel, our YouTube channel has really been um, gaining a lot of um, exposure and uh, subscribers here lately, and that is uh, Trail on the Hunter's Moon. Just uh, search Trail on the Hunter's Moon on YouTube and you will find our channel there, which features lots of hunts from around the world with Larry and myself. And if you want to get a hold of me, uh, the best way to reach me is probably through the trailingthehuntersmoon.com website. You can send an email there and, um, you know, or through Facebook or Instagram, again, Trailing the Hunter's Moon. You can reach us through those messaging outlets there as well. So send us a message. Love to hear from anybody. Answer any questions we can or just talk hunting. So good stuff. We'll be bringing you a whole lot more new stuff here in the future. And you do talk hunting every once in a while, don't you? Yeah, pretty much all I talk about. <laughs> I, I kind of resemble that more, yeah. I'll tell you. Blake, yeah. thank you so much for joining thank you, Larry. us this morning. I uh, look forward to doing this again before too very long. And and uh, we'll definitely, when we get on this antelope hunt, we'll do a recap on the antelope hunt while we're there together. And then particularly, too, when we get to South Texas, because I've, I've, I've got to go decide which gun I'm going to end up using to shoot. That's that. right. The biggest buck on the property. Right. Well, thank you for having me, Larry. It's always fun. It is. Well, everybody, please join us right back here on DSC's Untamed Heritage next week. And remember, you can also, now we're on Waypoint uh, Outdoors as well. And uh, there's some 50-some-odd shows there, I think. And the same thing with PursuitUpTV.com. I think we've got 50-some-odd episodes there as well for you to listen to. So if you don't have a whole lot of things to do or you're traveling or whatever or like driving somewhere like I do, that's when I try to catch up on all the podcasts. Again, thank you all so very much for joining us. Blake, we look forward to spending more time around a campfire together. Absolutely. DSC's Untamed Heritage is also brought to you by Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Wildlife Systems serving hunters and landowners since 1987. Kenetrek Boots, for the trail less traveled. Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms. Pyramid Air, your one stop for everything air gun. Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.